<clears throat> communicating with me through sign language in the back, and I think I understand. Today, um, Corinne New Year's was last week, but the celebration is today, and so there will be food. Am I right about this, Gary? There's food after church. If anybody would like to stay, uh, there will be a, a feast downstairs. Is that correct? Okay, good. The way I set my sermon schedule up each year is that from the end of Advent through Easter, I focus on the Gospels. The rest of the year, I use the lectionary to help keep me on track. Over the last few years in this pre-Easter time, we have focused on Jesus' life, his encounters with people, his teaching, his parables, his healings. This year, I thought it might be fun to look at some of the stories about the disciples that we find in the Gospels, because i got to tell you, the disciples are a hoot. They are so brave and so cowardly. They are so smart and so dumb. They have such great insight and yet they can be as dense as can be. They get it. And yet at times they haven't a clue. So I think it'll be fun to look at some of the passages that introduce us to the disciples of Jesus. But before we get there, I want to quickly tell you about an incident with Jesus and his growing crowd of listeners. Jesus' teaching ministry and healing ministry has attracted a slew of people. They are following Jesus all around Galilee, holding on to his every word, and ooing and aahing at his miracles and healings. <clears throat> and at some point in all of this, this holy chaos, Jesus turns to the crowd and pointedly says to them, quote, Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. Unquote. Two short parables, Jesus tells, to remind his would-be followers to consider the cost before making a commitment to follow. It will cost something to follow Jesus, and it is important that Jesus' followers understand that. Which then brings us to the passage that was read just a few moments ago. I've heard this passage, the passage about Jesus calling his first disciples. I've heard it preached time and time again by evangelists at revival meetings. 
It is a great passage to use before you give an invitation for people to surrender their lives to Christ. Quite often as it, this message is being preached, the emphasis is on the immediacy with which these first disciples choose to follow Jesus. The scripture says that Jesus tells them to come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. And the fishermen respond immediately by saying yes, leaving their nets and boats behind and following Jesus. The story is set up for a great invitation about the importance of not tarrying in our response to Jesus. Throw in six verses as just as I am, and the scene is set. My problem is, I'm not convinced that these guys are so immediate in their decision to follow. In the passage before this one, Jesus has been baptized, and he has experienced the temptation in the wilderness somewhere around Jericho. Then Jesus hears that John has been arrested, and he chooses to head north to Galilee where it will be safer. He travels along the Jordan River to the sea, and there the scripture says Jesus began to announce, change your hearts and live and lives. Here comes the kingdom of God. Here's the assumption I make. I make the assumption that Peter and Andrew and James and John have heard Jesus on several occasions before he actually calls them to follow. Jesus has traveled up and down the coastline proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom. The fishermen have heard the message on more than one occasion. And one thing that I have learned about Jesus' teaching is that it digs deep into your soul and marinates there. So I assume that these guys have perhaps spent their days thinking about the words that they have heard Jesus say again and again about the kingdom of God being at hand, about how now was the time to love one another, now was the time to serve each other. I can imagine that as these fishermen are out in their boats working, they are constantly reflecting on the voice of Jesus saying things that they had never heard before. And so when Jesus walks along the shore on this particular day and he sees Peter and Andrew sitting on the edge of their boat, tossing their nets into the sea, he says to them, Hey guys, there's more than fish that need to be caught. Come, join me as we inaugurate the kingdom of God. They respond right away. It is a great, big, immediate yes. But in truth, they have been primed. They have been considering the cost. And they have even hoped against the hope that Jesus might invite them to join the movement. And he does. And they say yes because they realize that something very big is happening around them. And so Jesus and Peter and Andrew move down the shoreline. And they see James and John in their boat just offshore. And so Jesus invites them to join him as well. 
and they jump out of their boat and follow him. A great big yes. I think it's interesting that what the passage doesn't tell us is how many other fishermen Jesus called that day who turned Jesus down. There's no reason for Matthew to bring it up. But I am guessing that Jesus invited others and they chose not to say yes. The marinating of Jesus' words in their souls was not complete yet. The way the story is set up, it almost appears that the disciples are making a hasty decision to follow Jesus. But following Jesus shouldn't be a hasty decision. It isn't merely a gut reaction to some emotional plea. It is a decision made after counting the cost and recognize that to follow Jesus is to redefine our lives. To follow Jesus is to choose love, to choose forgiveness, to choose mercy. To follow Jesus is to choose grace, to choose inclusion, to choose acceptance, to choose hope. To follow Jesus is to choose a life-affirming way of living. To follow Jesus is to choose to make a difference. Amen.